You guys with me this morning? Yeah. I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, outreach. Did I say this morning? All right, see, I'm all mixed up here. Saturday, <laughs> Sunday morning, tonight. Here we go. I want, I want to talk to you guys about outreach. Um, we sang a song, I'm Furious, that His love reaches out. Now, there's something amazing about the Great Commission. Uh, we, we uh, relating to an apostolic team, understand the, the, the call to go because that's what the Great Commission is. Amen? A call to go. And the reason why it's a great call is because it's everyone's call. And so many times we can very easily isolate um, the call to go to people who function in different types of giftings and ministries. Right, We automatically say, oh, that person has the gift of evangelism, so that person has to go. Or that person's a pastor, so he has to go. Or those people have done this, so they have to go. The Great Commission is great because it's all of our commission. To go into the highways and the byways and preach the gospel. And then it goes on from there to make disciples of the nations. Amen? That is all of our mandate, to go. And so we all have different spheres of influence. And so your sphere of influence looks different than mine. Mine is in L.A. Uh, yours is here in Erie. Um, but it, it starts, as we read in Acts, right, in Jerusalem. And then it moves to Judea. And then Samaria. And then the outermost parts. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes that gets daunting. Right? So my city has, you know, over 3 million people in it. That, that's a huge daunting task. You know, that's more, I think, I, I think we have more in L.A. than you have in the state of Colorado. Um, same, same thing. It's still the same call. It's still the same commission. But we have to understand where that comes from. It can look very daunting. But when we have the heart of the Father, when you and I have the heart of what God has called us to, it's not as daunting. Amen? Amen. So, Mark sixteen fifteen. you guys know this verse. And then He told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Why? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why do I have to go? I think most of the time we were just afraid to go, right? Most of the time we're afraid to preach the gospel. Most of the time we're afraid to say the name Jesus or we're afraid to witness. Sometimes it's easy to say, hey, you guys should come to my church. And I truly believe that's, a, that's, a, that's a, an amazing gateway uh, to evangelism. But it's not the completeness of what preaching the gospel is. It's sharing the good news. Why? Why do we share the good news? Right? Matthew 18:14 reads this, "Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish." So why do we go out there and preach the gospel be because it's not God's will that one person should perish. That's the good news. Amen. Have you guys you guys have had Terry Kruger here? Right? You guys know Terry, you love Terry. Terry's an amazing friend of mine, and he always said this. He says the good news is still the good news. Amen? That's good news. And there's so many people out there, churches and people on the corners, especially in L.A. with megaphones and signs, and they're not telling you the good news. They're telling you the bad news. You're going to hell if you don't do this. That's not the good news. That's the bad news. Tell me the good news. Tell me what's what's in it for me. So the good news, why do we go out there and preach the Gospel? Because it's not the Father's will that one should perish. That's God's heart. That's God's heart for outreach, is that not one person should perish. And so when you and I begin to think about this thing of outreach and reaching out, we, we sang the song Furious, He reached out. Why? Because He loved us. 
And so when you and I get the heart of outreach, when you and I get the heart of evangelism, because we know that each and every one of us should do the work of an evangelist. Amen? So when we, each and every one of us get out there and begin to speak about the things of God, when each and, each and every one of us begin to tell people the good news, why? Because that's the Father's heart. And you and I have to grasp the Father's heart. You and I have to come to a place in our lives where if we're afraid and we, and we feel an, a, a measure of fear in preaching the gospel or a measure of fear in telling others about Jesus, right? Not, not just a concept, not just about church, but telling them about this loving Savior, Jesus, right? That's because we have the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is that not one should perish. You with me? John 3.17 also reads like this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world, but, but through Him that the world would be saved. Right? We know 3.16, but 17, He didn't just send Him to, He didn't send Him to condemn, He sent Him to save. Good news. Good news. Good news. Right? We all want to be bearers of good news. Amen? Amen? Okay, I'm going to do like TK. That probably helps you. I'm from L.A. I got loud people and I need a lot of interaction. So if, you know, if people say amen at the wrong time even. Right? They'll say, man, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know Jesus when you die, you're going to go to hell. Amen. Whoa, not that time. Slow down. The good news is still good enough. Amen. The good news is still good enough. And we have to wrap our minds around sharing the good news, which is packaged and knowing the heart of the Father. You with me? Okay, so let's talk about kingdom outreach. See, outreach is simply this. For me, outreach is simply meeting people right where they're at. You with me? Outreach is meeting people right where they're at. In L.A., we have a, an amazingly diverse kind of people. I mean, we can throw a stick this way, and we have poverty and people on the streets. We're the homeless capital of the world. I mean, we have people who need food and clothes, and there's, there's single mothers. I mean, you can throw a stone in any direction and find a social justice issue, issue that needs to be addressed. But we also have some crazy uppity up peoples in L.A., right? I mean, there's, there, I mean, do you think about L.A., the, the, the complexity of who we are. You know, we're, we're on the east side, and you've got Pasadena, who's just right up the road. We've got Beverly Hills just down the road. I mean, everything's 20 minutes from us. And so we have to understand, we have to meet people right where they're at. And so when we're thinking about kingdom dynamics of outreach, you have to understand that God has ordained you to be here in Erie. Amen? And so now that you're here in Erie, your heartbeat has to be God's heartbeat for Erie. And so what's happening in Los Angeles isn't necessarily what's happening here. Now, there's still a deficit in the Spirit, and there's still people who need Jesus, that, which is the same message, the same good news, but it could be packaged in a very different way. So what's happening down in Denver may not need to be happening here in Erie because God has a special heartbeat for what's happening here. And God has placed who here? You. And because you're here, you have to start to feel the heartbeat of what God is saying over Erie. And so, Lord, you've placed me in this place. And we know that from Acts 17, God ordains the times and the places. For men to dwell. And so if God has ordained you to be here, a part of Impact Rock, this might be your first or second Sunday or, here, or Saturday here, God has ordained you to be here today. Isn't that amazing? Yep. My thing keeps on blacking out, but we'll be alright. But effect, 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 effective outreach has to be just that. Reaching out. And I think sometimes as a church, we, we, we like to invite in, invite in, 
But Jesus, when he walked the earth, what did he model to us? Meeting people right where they're at. Right? He met people right where they're at in their sin condition. He was walking the streets. You know, he didn't post himself up in one of the temples and say, hey, come and see me. Just come and see me. You know, I'm keeping, I'm keeping office hours, you know, from nine to five. Come and see me. I'll be here. I'll be doing miracles all week, people. I'll be here. He actually went out there. He actually went out there. And, and, and that's what the church is. Because who's the church? We're the church. Are you guys here every day? Are you guys, do you guys keep office hours here? No, you guys are out and about, right? You guys are out in, in, in the cities. You guys are out in your workplaces. You're out in school. You're out, uh, uh, I mean, doing what God has called you to do. And you might think, well, it's just kind of circumstantial. Well, you know what? Guess what? You're there now. And God has a plan and a purpose for everything that you're doing. And so if we get a grasp of that, that now we allow the kingdom to flow through us in our workplaces, in our schooling, in our normal day lives, man, God's going to do something amazing through us. Amen? If you guys have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Okay. Vanessa said to slow down. I'm trying to um, beat Mark's 30-minute time limit he's got going on here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, I posted on Facebook. I don't know if it was Facebook or Twitter, but I was asking some pastor friends. I said, hey, what are you guys preaching? Like, how long are you guys preaching right now? And so some friends are like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And Mark was like, 30 minutes, bro. Time me. Go check. He's like, you know. Go check my website, bro. I don't go over one minute. I was like, 30, like 30 minutes? Like, I, I can't even talk about the offering in 30 minutes, bro. I mean, it's like... You're all really glad I'm not your pastor right now, huh? <laughs> all right, if, if you have 1 Corinthians down, say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll start in verse 19. And it reads like this. It says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more. Verse 20, And, and to the Jews I became a Jew, that I might win Jews, and to, to those who are under the law as under the law, and that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law not being without law toward God, but under law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without law. Verse 22, To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might be, that, I'm sorry, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. You guys following me? Now so many, some people have taken this um, portion of scripture and use it in various forms to compromise what they do. The spiritual condition that Paul was writing about becoming all things to all men was meeting people where they were at. Was actually coming to Jews and understanding where they were at and identifying with who they were as a people so that he might win some. And then to the weak because we all know that Paul wasn't a weak man. We know where he came from. He was a very religious, very uh, uh, strong, opinionated man. He became a weak man so that he can identify with them so that he could win some. And to those who were under religious bondage and, and legalism, he identified with them so that he could win some. 
You see, the heart of outreach is, is that, is meeting people where they're at. And so I have some keys that, that are stemming from this verse. And if you guys want to start taking notes right now, it would probably be a good time. Verse 19, For though I am free from all men, which understands that I'm not under the bondage of man. Isn't that awesome? Because some people will become all things to all men because they're trying to be people pleasers. That's not what God is asking us to do. He's not asking us to please people. He's not asking us to uh, be one of those, I don't know, seeker-friendly kind of places. right? He's asking us to, to, to be free from that bondage, but we meet people where they're at in their spiritual conditions. Not their desires and wants that make them comfortable, but in their spiritual condition. right? But he says this first, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. So if we want to understand effective kingdom outreach, first and foremost, number one, is are you willing to serve? Now, some of us might think, well, of course. I set up coffee. I'm here early. I do the chairs. I, I, you know, if I'm asked to do anything, okay, I want you to just take, make the slate a little clean tonight, okay? And I want you to think about outreach. I want you to think about your role as a part of the priesthood to go into all the nations and tell the good news. Okay, so let's let's not think about your service and the life of what what we know as church here, but are you willing to serve as far as reaching others? Because that was Paul's heart. He's like, in order for me to begin to even think about reaching these people, I had to become a servant. To all men. Who modeled that first? Jesus. Ain't that amazing? Right? We see that in John chapter 13. Right? John 13, I think it's around verse 15, where he goes and sits um, his disciples down and begins to wash their feet. And when he's done washing their feet, he tells them, now I want you to follow my example and do what I have just done for you. He served the ones he loved. He served these men with his whole heart. And so in order for us to be able to reach men and women in this community, we have to have that attitude of service to all men. Right? You guys with me? You sure? Okay. So what's the heartbeat of your community? What's the heartbeat of Erie? What what needs can be met in the life of this community? I, I, I mean, think, think just think about what that might be for you. You might already meet with a group of women. You might meet with a group of men at work. You guys might have buddies who need to be better fathers. You might have women who need to be better, better mothers. You might have some kind of uh, social justice issues here. Maybe there is people who need to be fed. Maybe there are things like that that, as a church, Impact Rock can go and meet that need for what? For the gospel's sake. Amen? But we need to find the heartbeat in that. You guys with me? Okay. Number two is, are you willing to sacrifice, right? Because we understand that Paul had to sacrifice his own preferences, his own comfort levels, right? His own ideals, right? Because we know Paul from where he came from. And if you don't know Paul, let me just remind you, he was the Jew amongst all Jews, right? I mean, this guy was learned, which means he was a well-taught man, right? He knew scripture like the back of his hand. I mean, he was, if you could quote him scripture, he's one of those guys that can finish it for you. He was a strong man. I mean, this, he, was, he was something else. And so when he became 
the man who would go to everyone but the Jews, the Gentiles, he was going against everything he was. Because he used to do what? He used to persecute the church. I mean, this was a man who went out and, and, and sought to kill Christians. And he, God did such a transformation in him that he had to make a sacrifice first and foremost of who he was. All his preferences had to be laid aside. All his comfort levels had to be laid aside. All the privileges that he had experienced in the past had to be laid aside. Who else modeled that? Jesus. See, our king was in heaven. Seated with the Father from eternity. We know that in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. All things were created for Him and through Him. Jesus was with God. Amen? And He gave up all rights and privileges to the throne and said, send me to earth. I know this is your plan. Send me to earth. I'll take care of your creation. I'll give up my throne for 33 and a half years. And I'll lay down my rights as your son. And I'll lay down my rights as, 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 as king over all. And allow you to use me in any way you see fit. I will go and sacrifice everything I have to meet these people right where they're at. That's kingdom outreach. Amen? Number three. So are you willing to serve? Number two is are you willing to sacrifice? Oh, one thing I didn't touch there is are you willing to sacrifice your prejudices? Paul modeled that effectively. Where he used to kill Christians, I mean, and kill Christians, and then where he used to loathe Gentiles. Man, we know that he transformed the Gentile nations. What the twelve apostles were to the Jerusalem church, Paul was to the rest of the world. I mean, it was amazing. Are we willing to lay aside our prejudices? Is there? Can you think of any people group that you are unwilling to go to? And I'm not just talking color, and I'm not just I'm talking. What about economic background? What about types of people? I mean, I'm telling you, I have some men that walk through my church that when I was back in the world, whew, men who have done things that oh, most men cringe about. And to think that God wants us to reach people like that. Is there people groups that we refuse to, to touch? Next one, number three. Are you willing to make salvation the goal? Right? So we have serve, we have sacrifice, now we have salvation. Are you willing, when it comes to outreach, make salvation the goal? And here's why I ask that. The goal of outreach is salvation. Amen? I mean, that's why we tell people about Jesus. That's why we evangelize. We give them the good news that Jesus died for you so that you don't have to go to hell. That's the great news. Now, are we willing to make that the goal when we outreach? You know, so it's easy. And I don't want to downplay the role of social justice and and feeding the poor and, and, and clothing the needy and, and housing those with that. But if we aren't doing it for the gospel's sake, I mean, just think about that. Salvation has to be the goal. When we're going out there and telling people about Jesus, it has to be for salvation's right. sake. And so I could go anywhere in L.A. I'm telling you, we could go to, to, to uh, Skid Row and we could go feed the hungry. Any day of the week, you can go volunteer for Fred Jordan Mission. You can go volunteer at the Jonah Project. I mean, you could. I mean, any time of the week you guys want to come to LA, I can get you doing that stuff all day long. If you want to do outreach for outreach sake, 
But we outreach is for salvation's sake. I mean, outreach without the gospel is dead. I mean, just think about that. I mean, it's it's like I don't know. It's like uh, giving someone an, a, a, an ambulance ride to the ER room and then denying them coverage when they get there. It, it just it just makes no sense. And so it has to be for salvation's sake. You know, going out to feed the hungry and just saying, "Oh yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you." No. Man, let's take some time. Let's grab some hands and let's ask. You know, Jesus. Let, let, let's let, let, let's stir the boldness and 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 when we if we knock on a door and say hey can I pray for you and, you know let it not just be for the needs let let it let's pray for their eternal uh, soul I mean do you know Jesus have you have a personal relationship with him and I know that is so hard and I know for a lot of us it escapes us but that has to be the fruit of outreach that has to be the fruit in the heartbeat for our church when we are trying to be outward looking Amen Okay. So are you willing to make salvation the goal? That's what we read in uh, verse 23. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker in it with you. This is why we get out there. It's for the gospel's sake. For the good news' sake. And what's the good news' sake? So that people will be saved in Jesus' name. Amen? Yes. Passing out meals without the gospel is like um, putting a physical band-aid on a spiritual cancer. Just think about that. We we just want to you know. I went out and fed the hungry, and we did an amazing thing. I mean, when you just think about the what we did was pretty awesome. On, on uh, Easter time, we went to Skid Row and um, were part of this amazing outreach where we washed the homeless feet. Where they came in, I mean, in the condition they were, with the same pair of shoes they probably had for the last year, and and just just covered in urine and and jacked up feet and doctors were there to check their feet and we were washing their feet giving them new socks and then new pairs of shoes and and sending them on their way but i'm telling you it would have meant nothing if while we were sitting there asking them what's your life like with jesus yeah we're giving you shoes and we want to take care of your feet and we want you to be well when you leave but i'm more concerned with your spiritual condition that has to be the heartbeat of us as a church. Amen. It can't be just to check on them and see how they're doing and give them a little food and move on. Right? Because it, it, quite honestly, we actually see the opposite in Scripture. Right? Do you have money? Do you have alms? Do you have silver and gold? I have none. But what I do have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. I mean, it's the complete opposite. Where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you what I do have and that's whew, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now I, I, I'm going to we're going to do a little switch. I mean, we're thinking about the heartbeat of the church. We're thinking about a church of outreach. I, I want to kind of give you the dynamics of, of the way I see it, it it happening in the life of a church. So if you want to put a little title over this, uh, the anatomy of kingdom outreach should look like this. And I'm going to use body parts for you. So the first one is the head. So when you're thinking about kingdom outreach in the life of our church, in the life of your church, um, you have to understand the head first and foremost, right? Settle that Jesus is in charge of the outreach. Okay? When you think about the heartbeat of a church and us reaching out to the lost and the community, we have to settle in our heart that Jesus is the head of that outreach. Right? It's Jesus' preferences. It's not our preferences. So many times you could come up with a great idea and I'm telling you, you we can very easily 
damage that great idea by adding a little bit more that needs to be added. Jesus is the head of the outreach, which means it starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. Amen? We need to settle that in our heart. Don't let your own ideas or the ideas of others derail what God has initially prompted in the life of the church. So many times we see great ministries started in the life of a church with an awesome heart, an awesome um, passion, but then we see it dwindle away because we get away from the initial vision. And so we've got to hold on and settle that Jesus is in charge of this outreach. He's the head of this outreach. It starts and it finishes with Him. Amen? Amen. So we need to be encouraged by that. Because when we're encouraged by that, we understand that God is faithful. So if it starts with Him and ends with Him, then it's going to be a fruitful outreach. Amen? Amen. Um, right? 1 Corinthians 3.7, if you want to just write that scripture down. So then neither he who plants is anything or he who waters is anything, but it's God who gives the increase. So if it starts with God and it ends with God, you and I are in the clear. We have to just keep Jesus the head of outreach. Amen? Number two, we have to understand the heart of outreach. And we've already talked about that. What is going to be the heart of this outreach? And I'm telling you, from even personal experience, you can very easily see the heart of outreach escape you. I mean, we put on some massive outreaches in the life of our church. Um, LA Unified School District is is completely in disarray. And so what we do as a church is we host summer school during the summer, which is crazy. Trust me. Um, And so they've cut off all budgeting, so there's no summer school for the kids. And the kids in our community, without summer school, I mean, it it is detrimental to their English speaking, to their math skills, and to everything else that they're trying to... Like the first three months of school is all review. They have to go back and learn, relearn what they missed last year because they had no summer review. And so as a church, we're like, hey, we could fill that gap. But why? Not just to fill the gap. Not just to teach them their ABCs and their one two threes, but because we give them a whole other form of, of, of teaching. Jesus teaching. And so they get three periods of instruction, right? Math, language, and Jesus. Right? Now, no, no, I don't want to say it, but I'm telling you, we can very easily be overwhelmed. Like, oh, we don't have all the algebra books and we didn't make copies. And oh, with, oh the language, oh, we didn't get enough books. And I'm telling you, it can very easily get away from us. I mean, we could get consumed with the math and the and everything else and just forget about the Jesus part. It, it's, it's, it's easy to happen. We do, we do an art outreach where we turn our whole church into a gallery. And all the artists, I mean, there's tons of artists in L.A., and all the artists come and we, we just plaster art all over the place. And then we have live art with, with you know, Christian Christ, um, Christ-centered music and, and, and we get, you know, 300 people in our building and it's just all these amazing things happening. But I'm telling you, very easily that thing can get away from us if we don't keep Jesus as the center of that thing. We could be like, oh, we had a great night. 300 people were here and we had all this beautiful art and oh man, that group rocked and it was awesome. Who came to Jesus? We had an awesome night. 300 people showed up. But who came to Jesus? Who was out there asking people, hey, you know, that's a beautiful piece of art. Do you know what this, what this heart with blood dripping down and those chains broken means? Man, that's what Jesus did for you, bro. I mean, we have to, we have to understand that, that that's what we're trying to do. There, It has to be Christ-centered. Every outreach that we are a part of has to have the heart of salvation behind it. Amen? 
So we understand the head, we understand the heart, and here's the last one I want to concentrate on, is we need to understand the hand. Okay? As a church, we need to understand that we need to use what is in our hand. We need to use what God has given us. So many times we look at other churches like, well, if I had the budget they had, shoot, I'd be able to do that too. Or we look at other people and like, well, yeah, if I had that gifting, if I had that car, if I had that house, if I had a wife like that. No, 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 listen. Use what God has put in your hand. What has God put in your hand? What has God put in Impact Rock's hand? What has God already given you? Because I'm telling you, it's that what you have in your hand that God is going to use. Right? We see that in Exodus. Amen? If you, guys have, if you have your Bible, let's turn there. Exodus chapter 4. Now, we know that Moses at the time is struggling with God. Right? God is commissioning Moses. He's commissioning Moses to go and set his people free. And Moses is coming up with every excuse in the Bible not to do it. Right? That was a pun. You guys could have laughed at that. <laughs> I'm going to slow down. Right, see, that 30 things got me in bondage, bro. Man. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So Moses is doing everything he can not to have to go, right? I mean, he's just like, God's telling him this. He's like, well, but what about this, God? And what about this? And what about this? Um, but we read here, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me? And what if they don't listen to me? And what if they say the Lord never appeared to you? How many of you have ever felt like that? How many of you have ever felt like that when it comes to you talking to somebody about Jesus? Or when it comes to you, you know, God is prompting your heart to talk to that coworker, or God is prompting your heart to finally talk to that brother-in-law or, or whoever else it could be. And you're just like, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't believe that you're even in my heart? Like all those things that we wrestle with. And here's God. And the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And Moses says, it's a shepherd's staff. He had a shepherd's staff. Now, there's, there's, there's a couple ways that people have, have gone through this text and, and, and really put it out there. Now, I believe it, it can be either or. The way I'm going to use it today is, is honestly, what do you have in your hand? Because that's what God is going to use right. to demonstrate His power. Other people have, have read this text, and I believe this way as well, that God is saying, what is in your hand? Because so many times what we have in our hand is that very thing that is holding us back. Moses was a shepherd. His livelihood was that staff. He used that thing everywhere he went. He used it to gather his sheep, to wrangle them in. He used it to fight off wolves. It was His identity was found in that staff. And so very easily, we can... Get caught up in that. So God says, what is in your hand? And Moses says, I have a staff. And so God says, throw it on the ground. Right? This thing keeps blacking out of me. So throw it on the ground. And the Lord told him, so Moses threw it down, threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. And Moses jumped back. And then the Lord told him, reach out and grab it by the tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it. And, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord says, and they will believe that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. And then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. And so Moses put his 
hand inside of his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. And then he says, Now put your hand back into your cloak. And the Lord, the Lord said, And so Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, he was healthy as the rest of his body. And the Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. So listen, God is going to continuously remove our excuses. And it's going to be by what you have in your hand. How many times have we gone out and tried something with what we have in our hand and it has completely failed? Well, God, I use what I have. Okay, pick it up and use it again. Because if they didn't believe you the first time, they're going to believe you the second time. And this isn't about us. We need to understand that it is not about us. We just read that some plant, some water, but it is God who causes the increase. Who brings the increase? God. Who gets the benefit and the glory of that person coming to Jesus Christ? God does. It's not another notch in our belt. It's not another, oh, hooray for me, I just got someone else saved. Absolutely not. It's for God's benefit, for God's glory. Amen? Amen. All right. But Moses, I'm going to skip down to verse 9 and verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get all tangled, kind of like Jody. And then the Lord asks Moses, Who? And the Lord tells him, Lord, who? Or the Lord tells Moses, Who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or don't hear, see or don't see? Isn't it I, the Lord? Now go, oh, we already talked about that. Now go, and I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send somebody else. Please send somebody else. Verse 14, then the Lord became angry with Moses, and he said, all right. He said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him. And put the words in his mouth, and it will be with both. Of, and I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. What is so amazing about this portion is that Aaron never talked. Yeah, that's right. That's right. God gave him what he needed to have the faith to go. Removed every excuse, and the rest is history. We understand what Moses was capable of. And here's the thing. If we want to be effective, an effective outreach community, it starts with us. It starts with you. I'm telling you right now, God is removing every excuse you have not to be an outreaching Christian. Not to be a Christian who is stepping outside of his comfort zone to put in away all your preferences, all your comforts, all your prejudices. I might have already said that. And anything else is going to stop you from stepping outside and sharing the good news. Moses had every excuse. This guy was life was at stake. The apostles had every excuse because we know most theologians say at least 11 of them suffered a martyr's death. They had every excuse not to go. What excuse do we have? Oh, they might not like me anymore. Oh, they might cut me, you know, out of the Christmas exchange list. Or, or whatever other thing that we are so afraid of. But here's the things that God has given us. 
If we're going to be effective outreaching personally, just as this is just modeling after Moses' um, life here, first and foremost is the presence of God. Right? We read in the chapter, we can read in the chapter before Exodus 3.14, God tells Moses, I am certainly with you. See, first and foremost, if we're going to be effective, we need to understand completely and let it be settled in our hearts that God is with me. That God is with me. And I can go out without anybody else. Impact Rock can go without anyone's permission. You don't need anyone's permission to go out there and share the good news. You don't need Mark's permission. You don't need my permission. Anyone's. You go out there and share the good news. Why? Because God is with you. And He's anointed your lips to share the good good news. It's great news. Why would you not want to share it? But understand, you need the presence of God. God is with you. That's number one. Number two is understand that you have the power of God. Right? The Word of God tells us that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is the same Holy Spirit that lives inside you and I. The same Holy Spirit. And just think about what we can be capable of when we're operating under that kind of power. You see the things Moses did? You see the presence of God and the power of God that was manifested through that man's life is the same thing that can manifest through ours. I don't think we believe it most of the time. John 14, 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. God said we'll do greater works than him. That blows my mind. That that baffles me that Jesus says that I can do greater things than him. We see it in the apostles' lives. Why don't we believe it for ours? When we're raising our kids, aren't we raising our kids to go further, wider, deeper, farther than us? Isn't that what, what we want as parents? Now, why wouldn't we think that Jesus wants that for us? Do we think that Jesus is really sitting up there on the throne like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. That's a little bit better than I did it. Jesus isn't insecure, trust me. And He is not jealous of you. He is jealous for you. He wants us to go farther, deeper, wider, any, anything that we can to give glory to Him and His Father. He's about it. We have to understand that. Amen? It's that same power that, that lives in you and I. The same power. The same authority that you and I can function in. The same authority. Amen? The next, the next thing is partnership. Right? And where we see in the power of Moses' life, obviously God was with him in signs and wonders. Right? So I'm, I had to go back just to remind you of we're talking about Moses' model. Or God's model through Moses. Next one's partnership. Right? Moses was insecure to do it by himself. So what did God do? I said, all right, then here's Aaron. He'll go with you. Right? Jesus modeled this too. When he sent his um, disciples two by two. Here, go, go together. Do this in team. Yeah. If if you're afraid to go alone, which most of us are, then do it in team. Husbands, do it with your wife. Wife, do it with your husband. Singles, get another single alongside of you. Same sex preferably. And go do it. Do it together. Be strengthened. Where two or more are gathered, I will be there. Right? Right? So partnership. we got presence, we have power, and we have partnership. And the next one is we have the promise. We have the promise of God. Guess what? At the end of it all, 
We win. And not that we won and we gained any victory. It's His victory. He wins. His glory is going to be seen. We understand that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that He is Lord because He wins. That's a promise. That the good news that you and I have to share, the message, is an eternal message. God's Word will never come back void. And the good news is never going to fail. That's the promise we have. And so many times we just are just like Moses. What if they don't listen to me? What if they don't hear me? I'm taking away all those excuses. You have my power. You have my presence. And now you have prom, uh, um, uh, partnership. And here's the promise. God will do what He says He will do because He's God. We have to settle that. We have to just be completely convinced that that's the God we serve. And so when you and I are thinking about outreach personally, and when you and I are thinking about outreach as a church, we have to be faithful in knowing that God will do what He says He will do. And we can't be scared about it. We can't, when we have an outreach, you know, we have another art show coming up on October 5th. I can't be afraid that when I have, you know, 300 people walking about the building and all seated and, and you know, the room's all hyped because the, the music's got everyone jazzed up and I'm going to get up there with a mic and I'm just going to drop a bomb on them, then I'm worried about what they have to say. The reason why we're here today is because Jesus loves you. And yes, the art is cool. And yes, this is a community art show and we want to celebrate your gifts and talents that God has given you. But just know that God has given you those things. And it's for His glory that you've been given that ability. And if you don't know Jesus and you would love to meet Him, come on up so I can talk to you. Without any regrets. Without any... Are they going to listen? Who cares? It's... We're talking eternity. We're talking eternal opportunity that you and I are providing. Isn't that awesome? You see, we do this so that we might save some. That's what Paul writes. So it's not, it's not on us. You see, everyone has a choice just like we, and they can reject us. And Jesus even tells us what to do with that when they reject us. Guess what? Kick your heels off, kick your heels three times, wipe the dust off, and keep going. Yeah, it'll it'll break our hearts, but we don't get angry. We don't get angry when you know we, how many of us have been in conflict with someone from another religion. We get angry. Our hearts should break. Our hearts should break that they don't know Jesus. Our hearts should break that they believe a lie. Our hearts should break that they're going to be spending in an eternity in a place that God never created for them. Our hearts should break. It should. No anger. But we can kick our heels, dust off, and continue on because someone else needs that message. We don't rest in rejection. Amen?